Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Sociable Beer Company, and The Small Batch Brewing Co. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening James from Wilderness Brewery, based in Newtown in mid-Wales. Wilderness was launched by James in 2017 to brew modern mixed fermentation beers, whether clean and fresh or aged and soured. James, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Wilderness. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Yeah, thanks very much for having us. No, absolutely. Um, so we've, we've been going through a weird four-year period, I guess. Yes, very so. challenging, to say the least. So we got started end of 2017 and then released first beers beginning of 2018 okay mm-hmm. um and then we life took a bit of a turn had a little one so had a bit of a uh relaxed should we say 2018 2019 right um so then really got started i guess the brewery got started properly towards uh, the end of 2019 Right, just in time for just in a, time a, for a pandemic. global pandemic. Yeah, yeah if so. only you'd known, you might have tried a bit harder in 2018. Perhaps you think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then until the end of 2021, it was just mm-hmm. me. So right. we are really small brewery, about five barrels. Yep. Uh, brew length, so 800 liter batch size, roughly. Okay. And the sort of beer we make is generally mixed fermentation. So right with Brewer's yeast plus wild yeast plus barrel aging, yep. um, an awful lot of the beer. We do some clean beers too, but um, right. that's a, a small portion. Okay. But yeah, we're very small. No harm in yeah, that. So, no, that's right. That's right. So I, I've i always been a brewer. I've, I've had no other work experience, really. I, uh, My goodness. So let's dig right back into the early days then. Where did you start? Yeah. So I came out of university. Okay didn't have much idea what I wanted to do right with life did you study Uh, something vaguely brewing related or yeah so I I was a sort of sciencey guy and then did a PhD in biochemistry oh great okay Um, very very relevant then yeah yeah which was all fun but uh I had no idea what that meant I should do with my life but just saw an advert for a trainee brewer and I thought that'll be nice so yes, I went for an interview down at Hotback Brewery in yes, uh, the southwest. Indeed. Yep. Um, so big cask-led brewing. Uh, yes. One big sort of flagship beer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so started there in 2010. Okay. And essentially went from having never really brewed anything at all to brewing five, six batches a week of the same beer. Right. 12,000 litres at a time. With any any margin for experimentation whatsoever or, or not? <laughs> no, well, so went in having absolutely no experience at all. So it was very much sort of a learn on the job. And yeah. the job is, yeah, we do some other beers, but really it's we crank out Summer Lightning yes. en masse okay. to people that drink a lot of it and know exactly and how know it should exactly taste. And know exactly what it should taste like, yeah. yeah. So even with the hop, you know, I guess the hops vary a little bit today from batch to batch, so you need to adjust for that or not even? Yeah, yes. so that's the only thing really. Like yeah. essentially you're battling against natural variation in the grain and the hops. And yeah, but I guess yeah, the, malt, the malt as well to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which is, to be honest, like an incredibly good education. I bet, actually, period. yeah. And it might not be terribly exciting, but it's, you know, very good discipline, I'm sure, to, to, yeah, to yeah, understand. Yeah. yeah, and when you have, you know, the local pubs will stock it, the local people that are propping up the bar <laughs> know who you are and are going to tell you. It's never as good as wrong, it, yeah. it's never as good as it's supposed to be. No, it? because that, that's just the nature of people's memories with beers. Is they always harp back to, oh no, it's not as good as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it was, yeah, really, really good. Like trying to nail it each and every day was a, yes. a really good, yeah, really good way in. To be honest, sure, okay. Um, so I worked there for quite a while, mm-hmm. 
briefly flitted off to do something else, but uh, okay. was uh, worked there until about 2015. Okay. Uh, when I moved to Howling Hops in East London. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were just moving from brewery in a pub sort of basement to yes. what they have now, which is a fairly all singing or dancing brewery with attached tank bar in right. Yes, where I've been times, East London, yeah. mm-hmm. which was great, which was really good. They were looking to scale up a bit and yeah. sort of go from yeah, where brewing lots of different beers to right trying to nail the process and things and sure. that was ideal for me yes yeah, quite a, quite a, quite a broad range of yeah so, uh, yeah that, that so, i mean spread your wings from, a bit yeah <laughs> exactly but uh they've gone from strength to strength yeah. now but uh i was there for a little while which was yeah. great really yeah. nice but then we decided my wife and i decided we were going to move across to the sort of england wales border nice um, yeah. which is very nice but uh, oh yeah did mean that east london was probably slightly out of commutable not really doable no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if you wanted it to be i'm sure you didn't yeah really, you know you, yeah that was a, exactly a decisive move that you know choice that you made there <laughs> yeah so essentially i was sort of thinking what i want to do um yeah. and the, i guess the obvious answer was start my own thing yeah lean into the fact that we were moving to somewhere fairly remote okay so the plus sides are sort of relatively low rents certainly right. compared yep. to east london oh for sure yeah um, mm-hmm. so so mixed firm stuff is great barrel aged stuff is great yeah but um it's expensive yes because, and slow yeah exactly so <laughs> when you're looking at the rents you're paying in london for industrial units and things yes if you have a stack of barrels sitting on the the floor for a year two three yeah that's a lot of money tied up in in sort of real estate. So uh, yeah, much as it might please the beer drinkers, it doesn't please the bank managers, does it? No, so. that's right. <laughs> so essentially, this had always really interested me, but it had never made sense to no. do it for other people. Had you home brewed? You know, it dabbled with with mixed firm and, and no, uh, not and really. Paralyzed um, in home brew, no, no, no. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things that's tricky on a home brew scale. I because, guess so. Yeah, yeah. And we'd never really lived in any particular place long enough to a particular house long enough to get a proper setup or anything. No. So yeah, so I took a I guess I took a bit of a a chance. <laughs> but you know, I was confident that I could do the basics right. And then yep. everything else is a massive learning thing anyway. So but very lucky really that I could just get some beer in barrel, take things slow. Right. We had a bit of time off, but that was fine. Yes. And then sort of came back to it properly when I had some beers ready to go. Yeah. And yeah, it's been really nice. And I've learned huge amounts about what not to do, which is always <laughs> uh, good. Um, but yeah, so we, we then sort of had a couple of years of me, you know, just slowly making some beer. Right. Putting stuff out, but not making any real effort with sales or marketing. Right. And that was, to be honest, that was keeping me pretty busy because okay. if you're trying to do it all on your own, even if you, I mean, even if you're trying your best to absolutely alienate customers, they keep trying to buy stuff. It's, it's <laughs> extremely. It's the wonder of craft beers in general and mixed firm beers in particular is is there are absolutely rabid fans out there of this style of beer, aren't there? And, you know, once they found you, I'm sorry, you know, you're, you're in their crosshairs and you're not going to, you know, you'd have to, you have to move to the other, other end of the country to escape them, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. It's, um, it's crazy. And it's really nice. Like yeah. the mixed firm crowd are yes. some of the nicest people mm-hmm. they genuinely are it's a very relaxed tolerant supportive group which is amazing really because and certainly when i was starting there weren't many breweries doing mixed no. firm and, and no. so few doing it as a focus right you know, yeah. a little dabbling here and there but you know i could probably count on one hand, the number oh, of people that were so. doing it. Yeah, I mean, you, a... you know, you probably still only count them on two hands, or maybe three, three hands at yeah. the most. So, so it's still, yeah. it's still a, a definite specialisation. I've had most of them on the podcast actually, which is great. I'm, uh, I'm collecting, yeah. uh, collecting the UK's mixed firm <laughs> uh, brewing experts, and it's been a lot of fun. I must admit, these, these are some of the most interesting podcasts for me to record because I just, I'm fascinated by, by these beers, and uh, you know, I, uh, it's not to say I don't love all styles of beer, but, but you know, in particular, I'm, I'm really, really. Uh, 
just amazed at, at, at some of the flavor combinations you can present and, and how complex these beers can be yeah absolutely i i feel from my point of view it's it's just the analogy i make is like it's painting with just a much broader palette yes. than yeah other styles of beer i think um, so yeah and, th- and again that's not me trying to do anything else down because I, I love i love all styles of beer i love making all styles of beer right. and my my background is started off making sort of fairly traditional cask beer absolutely and yeah. you know moved into sort of what you're more normal i guess sort of trendy up and coming craft yes brewery and that's what lots of my friends still do and yeah things and it, it's great you know there's a there's a great space for everyone yeah but uh definitely the and you know i've met lots of the mixed firm brewers and stuff over oh yes things and there's definitely something about it it's difficult to go back it's difficult right. to, uh, I, yeah I, there's no one i know that has gone back no well certainly not no i mean i'm trying to think even of individuals at breweries and i can't think of anybody who's left any of the mixed firm crowd and uh, and gone back to, to more clean brewing no and certainly not you yeah. know in terms of a brewery once you've specialized in, in mixed firm you're not going to not going to go back to brewing you know pale ales and best bitters are you with all due respect to those stars of beer you know it's uh it's it is wonderful but did you as a matter of interest did you call on any of the you know the uk guys who were around when you started to sort of pick their brains and you know and try and figure out how you were going to get started with it or or did you did you figure it out for yourself to a large extent no i'd done a, a little bit of sort of chatting with a few people but um mm-hmm. yeah the way the way things sort of happened it all happened very quickly and then right and then very slowly, if that makes sense. Okay. So mm-hmm. very quickly sort of deciding to do it and getting set up and yeah. having no time. And then then ended up having a fair bit of time off. Right. So, yeah, yeah. by the time I was sort of putting stuff out there, I was like, crikey, I should have actually put more thought into this and <laughs> gone and chatted to everyone. And, <laughs> but uh, that's just the way it's gone. Uh, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, luckily, everyone else is really great about it. And yes other people reach out to you and see how you're yep. doing and we all just had a big meet up at the little earth i know uh, festival. absolutely what an amazing i mean I, i've gutted to say i didn't get there i've, I've been to little earth several times and I, I was even chatting to tom um at a festival a couple of weeks ago in colchester shortly after after you, you, the festival you're talking about and uh yeah. what a lovely place and, and what an amazing event i must really focus on on not missing that next year because i you know it's right up my street and i would have just been in my element there yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, it was totally set up for you had to uh, be really into your your mixed firm stuff. Oh yeah, there wasn't yeah. there wasn't a lot of <laughs> other options. I guess but, they uh, probably had some mainstream beers in the pub still, didn't they? They did, to, to, they to, to, did, to, and it's a lovely pub. Yeah, it is. Yeah, lovely selection of beers. But um, yeah, I'd say even of the uh, obviously there were lots of brewers there, sort of presenting yep. their beers and things. But of the customers and things, I'd say quite a large proportion of them were people from the brewing industry. Or, I imagine so. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it was, was really it, nice. was, it was an event that people you know, were, were really cherishing, I think. And I, I, mean, I know chatting to Andy from Dolphin, he was quite worried about taking his beer down there to, to share it to the, the collected brains trust of UK mixed firm brewing. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, I think he, you know, always goes, he said that he had sleepless nights leading up to, you know, as to how his wonderful aged cherry sour beer that I know you've tasted, uh, you know, because you would have done at the event, which is a great beer. You know, we, we had it this yeah. this week in the Grumpy Goat actually in Reading and uh, brilliant beer. But, uh, you know, Andy was just worried that, he, you know, he was going to, he wasn't going to stand up to the comparison of, 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 you know, what else was pouring there, but I'm sure he needn't have worried. Um, but uh, no, nice, nice, nice to think. All. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this first beer, James. We are drinking the first of many, which is a well-named beer for a podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, this is 4.4% blended Saison. Collab with O'Brien's small batch. I've got some brief tasting notes from the side of the can, um, which say a fresh 2022 Saison blended with a selection of barrel-aged beers and dry hopped with Sars and Sabro. Um, it's a recreation of Luke's, I guess Luke is from O'Brien's, is he? Uh, Luke's favourite beer ever. Sound and Vision by Wilderness, made with love and passion, and came to be after a series of conversations. So yeah, nice, nice backstory. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. So they're a lovely uh, bottle shop and bar in the Greater Manchester area. Okay. Um, yeah. They're lovely people, Luke and Elle, and they bought some of my beer uh, when they were first opening. Um, right. 
which was lovely of them and really nice. Um, yeah. And I had some lovely feedback from them. And Luke in particular really loved one of the beers that I made. Right. Which was just a, a really tiny batch of blended Saison that I did mm-hmm. just a few bottles of. But they bought you know, loads of it. And I think he probably drank most of what they bought. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they were trying to sort of diversify what they offer really nice. from their, yeah. their little bar and things. And they were just got in contact and said, hey, could we come down at some point? Oh, I said, yeah, of course. And, yeah, yeah. and I said, oh, we should, um, you know, maybe you should taste some of the things in the barrels and we could, you know, that way you sort of have some input into, yes. you know, what comes next, mm-hmm. something. Anyway, it's sort of from that we turned into, well, I'm going to be brewing something anyway. If you come down on that day, we could brew something, something fresh. Maybe and then we could maybe taste a few barrels, see whether we think anything would blend nicely with that. Yeah. And yeah, make a little beer together and uh they were you know they're really nice they're, they're great um, yeah and we sort of just came up with this little blend so it's a yeah three three and a half percent sort of spelt heavy grisette was right. what we brewed okay and then we uh picked out from a range of barrels i think we tasted about 10 or so of my sort of stash of about 30 it's a but tough picked, job somebody had to wow, yeah. really tricky really tricky <laughs> Also, I mean, whenever I have anyone visit the brewery, I always like, right, okay, we're tasting some barrels because nice. otherwise it's just me. And that's yeah. terrible for <laughs> deciding on things. It's really good to have other people's palates. Uh, just a second opinion, yeah. Nice. Yeah. But we picked out um, what was, in fact, a really young uh, aged beer. It was only about six months old at that point. Okay. It mm-hmm. was a, a really lightly hopped Saison that had soured quite quickly. Right. But that was tasting, still had that little bit of freshness. Okay. And we all... All three of us liked it, so that was a good, a good point. Sure. So then we blended that with the fresh beer. Yeah. And canned and kegged a little bit, and then O'Brien's have taken a fair old notch of that, and it should be launching in the next few days. Which Lovely. Is yeah, it's not on Untapped uh, as I was searching for it. Uh, this no, that's right. Anyway, so you're is... <laughs> you're you're one of the first people to try it. Brilliant. Well, I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna not gonna do the work for you and put it on Untapped because I'll probably mess <laughs> it up. But for, once you do post it, I'll uh, I'll certainly certainly give it a review because I think it's lovely. It's uh it's super subtle, isn't it? You know, it's not overwhelming in any way, but just a lovely subtle flavour, nice carbonation to it, which I really appreciate. And it's just yeah, perfect warm summer evening beer, which is which is what we what we've got back to again this evening, having had a couple of cold days in Reading. It's uh it's gotten quite hot the last the last few hours. So no, lovely lovely summer yeah. evening beer. Oh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, well, the reason I sort of picked this one as one to sort of share with you was I think it's a fairly good representation of the types of beer we're trying to make. Right. And yep. while we make beers of lots of different styles and yeah. things, things that have an interesting and hopefully broad flavour profile right. but aren't too aggressive. So okay. while this beer has like elements of sourness and elements of mixed fermentation, funk and yep. that sort of thing, hopefully they're all at a relatively low level. Yes, yeah. they're there, but nothing is hitting you around the face. No, um, and it, it drinks extremely light as well, doesn't it? It's like you know, it doesn't taste its four point four percent. It's just you know, it, it's just a lovely, light, refreshing glass of beer. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, uh, you yeah. know, I, I think that there actually aren't many people brewing fairly clean, dialed back saisons, are there in the UK? You know, that there's you know, there's a lot of people doing fruited sours of one one variety and another, you know, all of which I love by the way, so no harm in that. But I don't think there's very many people <laughs> brewing beers that are not so complex and not so in your face. I think that, you know, it, it's there's definitely a market for beers like this, I think, as well. So uh, so I'll come back to asking, well, you know, this, what, what so makes you different the... a bit later. But it's uh, it's always interesting to see how you're differentiating yourself. Yeah. This is it's gonna sound sort of trite, but this is the style of beer that we wanted to make. Mm-hmm. There aren't very many people doing it. No. Um, I guess the beers that sort of inspired us were sort of the Colonel Saison range yep. that they do, mm-hmm. often dry hopped. Yes. Relatively subtle. Yeah. And yeah, it's sort of before setting up, but those were the sort of beers that sort of just opened my eyes to, oh, people brewing sort of those traditional style of beers, but in the uk yes doing it well but not worrying too much about tradition if that makes sense yeah it does i think absolutely yeah because you know that that's it's, it's all very well to say oh you know it's this is not true to style and it shouldn't have a dry hob in it but no nonsense you know it's uh it's all about 
creating interesting beers to drink isn't it and you know and it's whilst it's nice to lean on the traditions of the style i think to say that it's wrong to put a modern spin on it is is very foolish indeed yeah and my thought is always that people were always trying to make the best beer they could yeah and people traditional saison brewers or traditional farmhouse brewers of the past if they had had access to a fresh sort of crop of hops that they thought were incredible yeah yeah they'd have chucked a load in and been like yeah this is great yeah, so, that's why they wouldn't, yeah. Because yeah. apart from the it adds a you know, preservation element to it as well, doesn't it? Which is always nice. It's what you want with a with a beer like the Saison, which was, you know, was brewed to, to last all year or whatever. It's, uh, no, it's, 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 it's that, that dry yeah. up is going to help, yeah. We sort of lean on, I mean, this is me cherry picking totally, but leaning on the idea of uh, <laughs> like tradition in terms of styles. Like if a style has been around for X number of centuries or yeah. whatever, that's probably because people like that type it of works. Flavor yeah, 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 the flavor combination yeah. works above all. So yeah. that's yeah. that seems okay as a thing to to make. Yeah. But then as soon as I fancy using a new hop that I've never used before, I'm sort of like, ah, throw tradition out the window, do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely yeah. comfortable with that uh, that that conflict if there is, if it is a conflict. I don't think yeah. it is. I think it's fine. <laughs> and the great thing about Saison or farmhouse style beers is that every farm or every small brewery that would have made those sort of beers traditionally would have done it differently would yes so really there's no wrong answer you can just do whatever you want and call it a farmhouse beer and yeah that's right i mean (laughs) what does it mean really i guess just small batch and you know yeah and experimental in in recipe which is great yeah that's a good framework yeah i've realized over time that uh all our beers for the most part turn out to be very very dry okay and i think yep. that might just be my personal preference and that's why we right. edge towards the and this is actually now that, that you mentioned this is this is very dry finished yeah which is but i, yeah. I appreciate that i think it's I, I wouldn't want this to be at all sweet that wouldn't be good at all I, you know i i like the fact that it, it dries you out it brings you back to the next mouthful doesn't it which is you know is, is yeah one of the secrets of a beer i think <laughs> well that's right and that was um so uh, John, the owner of Hotback Brewery, that was the thing he always said about Summer Lightning, which was, mm-hmm. again, sort of the first beer I brewed, but he was, a dry finish is exactly yeah. what makes someone buy the second pint. It's yes, the, uh, and the uh, third. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, obviously, I, I make beers where that uh, drinking it by the pint is perhaps not always... Uh, no, not but, uh, necessarily well. Good advice, yeah. but... The but yeah, I definitely advice. have uh, the opposite of a sweet tooth, I guess, when it comes to... Yeah. Yeah, so you won't find us making any lactose no, uh, milkshake well, IPAs anytime soon. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's plenty but of other right. brewers, plenty of other brewers doing that. So you know, well, that, exactly. Yeah. And I also love the fact that because I mean, I feel like we make a bit of a range of beers. Yeah. But having a whole world of beer out there that is not something I'm having to compare mine to, or that I can just enjoy, so I can go and have a track double IPA or something, yeah. and really enjoy it and not be thinking to myself oh mine isn't as good as that's right oh yeah i wish i could brew double ipas like this no that's not your game is it so so, yeah so that's that's really nice nice. actually yeah Yeah, that's a good point and i hadn't thought about it from that perspective but i'm sure that a lot of brewers are faced with that exact experience where they're making a pale ale or or an ipa to the best of their ability and then you know you crack open a cloud water or a day or and everything oh no i'm never gonna get (laughs) well i wouldn't go as far as say why am i bothering but you know i'm sure there's a there's a little bit of disappointment in there you know their their reaction that's you know wow those guys are doing it at such a high level now that uh, it is tough to compete i'm sure with those styles but yeah and i mean that was part of my thought when i wanted a setup on my own Mm -hmm. i was thinking what sorts of beers can i make on a small scale right that can that i can still be proud of yes it is tricky to if you're going for the real high end with your new england style ipas and things actually there is a certain amount of investment sure equipment and things that you if you want to make those in any sort of economic manner yes you almost do need to maybe have access to a centrifuge or equipment that on a small scale just doesn't doesn't work no whereas really farmhousey style beers as you were saying that's small is really the way right the way things traditionally were done and yeah there's no as long as you have enough space to fit a few barrels in there yeah you're all good really 
Sounds good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, I think you're onto something, James. I like the uh, like the position. Let's take a short break. This week in craft beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials, and most importantly, the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. I'm back with James from Wilderness for the second half of the show. James, let's not waste any time by asking you to tell me what makes you different. What is it you're doing to stand out in this relatively crowded UK market for mixed fermentation and sour beers in 2022? Yeah, there's an awful lot of sour beer out there now. I guess our approach always has been just to make the sort of beer that we fancy making. And actually, that does seem to be quite different from the trend on the whole. Right. While a lot of our beers are sour, I always struggle with putting that on the label because these days people expect a sour beer to be extremely sour. Yes. And that to be the predominant flavour. Yeah, the browning characteristic or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I really like some of those beers, but that, mm. that isn't that isn't us. Um, no. Sourness is one of the component flavours of a lot of the beers we make. Right. But it's only ever a, a really light touch. Okay. And that's really what we're going for. So all the beers we make, for the most part, are relatively dry, relatively right. yeast characterful. Yeah. Um, either wild yeast or more flavorful yeast strains. Yep. Sure. We're not normally picking sort of neutral yeasts. No. And then we're trying to add a bit of interest from the barrel aging, which yep. sort of can increase the interest of yeast and the mixed cultures that we use oh yeah a little bit of fruit mm-hmm. but again keep things on the the lower side right keep the sourness under control yeah and hopefully from our point of view that way then all of the interesting flavors are findable nothing's Nothing round out by yeah. any, any one dominant component yeah nice yeah and it, it it makes you sound really sort of up yourself if you're saying oh you know our it's, only about, it's all about the balance that's right yeah, yeah. so that's the word i hate most i think in in beer descriptions is balance i know it i know it, it applies and it's it's hard to come up with a better descriptor sometimes but it's uh yeah i agree with you it's uh, it does sound, it sounds yeah. a bit pretentious to no me. it's <laughs> yeah it's it's not the not the term i really like i, I struggle to find a term i do like but yeah I, yeah i guess what i'm hoping for is that people can taste all of the different bits that I can... Yeah, everything that you intended, yeah. Yeah, which is a huge cop-out, I know, but... Uh, that's, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, so that's sort of the beers we, we try and make. So we're, we're right. not particularly following any trends. No. Lots of them are pretty traditional in style, even yeah. if they have a vaguely modern interpretation. Okay. But we're not also, given some of the beers we make, sort of take a year to three years to make. Yes, following trends is a bit tricky for us because they might might have been and gone by the time we get there (laughs) out of fashion by the time you release it yeah yeah. but yeah because we're we're tiny Mm -hmm. and because for the longest time it was just me right um actually the the brewery is we're not bound by the same constraints as a lot of people so no we can we can make whatever we want yep we can say whatever we want right Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know we're I mean, from our point of view, we see it as sort of just what modern businesses should be. So, yeah, of... that's all right. It's almost like the absolute description of a modern lifestyle business, isn't it? Is you're pleasing yourself, you're working at the pace that suits you, you're not releasing anything until you're damn well ready to release it. And hopefully, there's enough people out there that appreciate that approach and uh, and will keep coming back. And it sounds as though there probably is. Yeah, I hope so. We're also, we're not just sort of trying to make the beers we want to make, we're right. also trying to use the business as just an extension of ourselves yes so we we are concerned about environmental issues and we right. we get that brewing is quite a we're making a, a product it can, which is, it can be a resource intensive process let's call it yeah. exactly yeah yeah and beer is a a luxury item no one needs it well, so I'm not sure i'm going to stand for that you know <laughs> <laughs> but we're i don't know, we, we we feel like 
we've got to do at least as much to, as... to, to minimize the impact of it let's put it in that's those right terms. yeah and so sustain, sort of... sustainability I, I actually mentioned I, I meant to mention this in the first half of the conversation i've even got it in my notes and i don't know how i overlooked it but <laughs> i really like you know the fact that this is a really big factor for you guys isn't it and something that you're focusing a lot of attention on so so talk us through that yeah so we i mean all of the stuff that's really easy which just what every business should be doing and i, I certainly a, a business these days should be doing things like our electricity we use a lot but mm-hmm. it comes from a renewable provider and right. that's just yeah, I mean, you're stuff. exactly right. Everybody should be. I mean, you know, I know it's easy to say now with the cost of energy spiraling, you know, ridiculously upwards. But yeah, I think most most people that care about it should be on a green tariff now because you know yeah. there's plenty of them out there, aren't there? Exactly. We, you know, our packaging and stuff. We just try and make choices where we can that are the more sustainable choice of the options that are right. available. So, yeah, things like all of our labels are paper from a sustainable source which is way less practical than than you get on you know i would say the majority of bottles and cans which sure. are yeah some sort of plastic or something yeah and it's a pain in the ass for us to be honest yeah but i guess at your scale it's a it's a pain that you can tolerate isn't it you know you've got a, a few exactly. hundred labels to affix and not tens of thousands or whatever it's uh yeah yeah we use packaging that um a, hopefully, you know, protects the stuff as well as we can. But uh, yeah. we use cardboard boxes that are recyclable, but with liners that are compostable, which yes. are, you know, they're not just some of the best packaging we found, but also it's just trying to make, if there's a choice of things on the market, yeah, we won't always get it right, but hopefully this is the more sustainable one. I mean, you know, that you sent me a couple of bottles this week uh, and they were some of the best protected bottles I think I've ever received. They weren't going to fail in the in the post that's for sure you know they, they they were absolutely bulletproof in the way that you packaged them so so you know i appreciated that yeah oh good yeah i i hope so it's um yeah the, the packaging these which it's called pulp safe it's um okay essentially like molded it's the paper and card that is too far used to to be recycled back into recycled card sort of clean, kind of clean cardboard yeah. yeah yeah so but it's it's <clears throat> really pretty good and mm. I mean, and selfishly as well, it saves us a bit of money because the fuel... Well, it jams down get... over the neck of the bottles, doesn't it? And really wedges it in tight, so it's the, they're just not moving yeah. about, are they? So things like that are just, they're easy choices because mm-hmm. they just cost more money, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it doesn't take any sort of thought, if that makes sense. Right. But other things we try and do. So I try and schedule our brewing so that we are using as little energy as possible. So okay. we'll try and... We only brew sort of, I'd say on average, about once a fortnight, but I try and right. jam those brews together so that the cooling of one batch of wort creates hot water for the next batch. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's all silly things. And yeah. big breweries, of course, do this just naturally. I suppose they do, yeah. yeah. But on a small scale, it's easy to forget that that's, not do those that's things. A possibility, so, yeah. 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 So we, I don't know, we make things harder for ourselves, but uh, that's the right. That's the nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, and then we've got some little things like every beer we've been releasing for the past couple of years, we've sponsored a little tiny bit of nature reserve somewhere in the world. Yeah. Just a few meters square at a time, but hopefully right. it, it adds up over time. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just things like that. Hopefully it has just a, a light long-term impact. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, it's t- again, totally selfish. It's just so that I don't have trouble getting to sleep at yeah night. so you can sleep at night exactly yeah yeah <laughs> you can feel like yeah you're, as you say you're in you're involved in an industry that if you don't take care of those things can be quite wasteful of resources and going out of your way to make sure that isn't the case so that's that's really nice yeah yeah and the other thing we do we try and use uk ingredients as much as we can mm-hmm. um so almost all of the malt we use is uk grown right because i mean we're very lucky that Sure. I mean, it it goes for most of the world's brewers, of course, but (laughs) slight exaggeration, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we also, I mean, while we do use hops from all over the world, we're trying to make the move towards using more UK hops. Yes. Yeah. I Um, mean, there's some fabulous ones, aren't there? They really are. Yeah, that's right. We've had some lovely uh, UK Chinook this year. Yes. And we've uh, just released um, a couple of beers with Olakana, which Mm -hmm. we're really pleased with as well. So that's really nice. 
Um, so that's good. But we're also, we release a fair few beers with fruit in. Right. And that's where it starts to get tricky. If you're importing kilos and kilos of fruit from somewhere right. in the world, or fruit's quite sort of water intensive and yes. all of those things. So we we really try and limit ourselves to locally grown fruit. Yeah. And ideally, fruit that we've grown or picked ourselves. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. So we're, we're really yeah. lucky. As well as the little brewery site we've got, we have a little orchard up in the hills. Okay, brilliant. Um, which is you know just a cider apple orchard, just a small one. Yeah. But we, we have a nice big crop of blackberries from there each right. year. Brilliant. The little hedgerows sort of down the lanes either side. Uh, we picked quite a lot of wild raspberries, which nice. we'll come back onto in a second. We I imagine. will shortly, absolutely. I didn't realise they were wild raspberries, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And then we've used uh, plums that have been grown nice. by a, a food charity um, about 100 metres away from the brewery. Yep. Um, we've used grapes in the past grown by a friend of mine just nice. in the hills above the brewery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we've to... actually got some really good fruit choices haven't we you know uk grown i mean obviously you know you're out of luck if you want bananas or, or peaches or whatever but you know essentially the majority of fruits that you might choose to use in a beer you can actually source from the uk anyway can't you it's uh you know they're obviously exceptions yeah. but but you know you you can when you're formulating recipes as long as you know if you, if you give it some thought i'm sure you can you can come up with some really interesting uk fruit combinations well yeah that's right um, and we're extremely lucky because most of the beers that we do that are going to be have fruit in are going to be barrel aged so we don't need to be looking at sort of pasteurized fruit or aseptic purees or right. anything. We're very lucky that we can just use so that whole fruit. As well. Yeah, that, yeah. that simplifies it, doesn't it? Yeah. And then also by using the skins and the stones mm. and that sort of thing, using the whole of the fruit, you actually get so much more contribution. Really do. Yeah, definitely. So again, like it's us being lazy and then trying to dress it up as some sort of uh, moral crusade. <laughs> I, can, but, I can respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Boise. This is our second beer of this evening. This is a 5.5% wild ale with raspberries. And the tasting notes say, a pale wheat beer aged and soured in Bordeaux barrels with wild raspberries from the hedgerows around our orchard. Dry, funky, and tart. I think this is absolutely terrific. I mean, I enjoyed the first beer, but oh, this, great. Is, this is absolutely, you know, this is next level for me. I think the uh, the combination of the Bordeaux barrel flavour and the and the raspberries themselves absolutely superb i, lo- I love that you know again it's subtle but really lovely flavor combination and they're, they're working in perfect harmony so this is a really great beer i think uh, james and you know, oh yeah really, thanks really enjoying so this. that's yeah again that's one we've um that's a new release for this week but, oh, um, we've been we've been sitting on it for a while we oh. uh we debuted it in keg at the little earth festival oh, okay nice before, yeah and it went down well i bet it did yeah which was nice it was a bit worrying for us because we knew lots of the other brewers they would have fruit beers. And <laughs> yep. it turned out we turned up on the first day and essentially everyone was pouring a raspberry beer. Yeah, because um, well, it, you know, you probably 30% of all fruit beers are raspberry, of course. I know, yeah. you know where it's such a great flavor that I, you know, I don't blame them. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Ours was definitely, everyone else's was sort of quite red, quite oh, yeah. sort of jammy, yeah. uh, really fruit forward. And all of our, and our fruit beers as well. They're fairly fruit light, if that makes right. sense. The it fruit, does, yeah. Again, yeah. it's a component part rather than the dominant flavour. Right. And again, I don't want to mask the, like, hopefully it's a nice sort of pale, wheaty farmhouse beer yeah. Yeah. with a touch of raspberry rather than raspberry and the beer well, is just... With some, some unknown beer underneath it that you can't taste because of the raspberries, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there really is a trend towards more and more fruit yep. in beer and just trying to jam as much fruit in as you possibly can. And some of those beers are great. Some of those beers are really, really good. Oh, I yeah. know you had, well, you had Andy on recently who makes, I, I think, incredibly well-balanced he does. beers yeah. at, at Dolphin. I'm really excited um, with Andy, yeah. We'll, with we'll, the, with the right amount Dolphin, of fruit in. Yep. I've also really enjoyed lots of the, I think you've had a crossover on. I have, before, yeah. And they, they really do push the, I mean, I guess the legal limit of how much fruit you can realistically put yeah. in a, a beer and still call it a beer. Um, yes. And some of their stuff is amazing. But I guess we're just, it's a combination. We we are artificially limiting ourselves with the amount of fruit we can use because right. I'm, I'm saying 
no, I've got to pick it. It's got to be local. Well, of course, that's a, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, that, that, that's a factor. But equally, I, I really like the fact that you're you know you're giving yourself then scope to play with the other flavour combinations that, that make up the beer and and have confidence that people are going to be able to taste them, which is you know not always the case for other brewers. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's tricky. I, I guess that's our thing, really. Every, everything yeah. with a light touch. Yeah. Um, which I mean sounds mad for like a mixed firm brewer to say, but <laughs> that's yeah subtlety I guess is what we're yeah we're going for. Well, I guess just with the idea that all the beers are approachable, yeah. even if they are something that sounds mad, and the average person going into a shop is not going to be interested in at all. Yeah. Ideally, if they did try it, they'd actually get something out of it yes but then hopefully backed up with enough interest that the real mixed firm nerds which there's there's, there's a lot of us out there but, it, <laughs> um, but hopefully it's they've got enough going on for the the real heads as well as the yeah. the casual are you mostly buying wine barrels to age in then i'm guessing rather than brandy or or, or whiskey barrels based on what you just said about you know wanting to have subtle flavors rather than overwhelm from the barrel yeah, absolutely. Almost all red wine. Okay. A few whites, and then I've got a couple of spirit barrels as well. Okay. The spirit barrels actually, while you, on the sort of the first use or so, you get that big mm. sort of spirity hit. Yeah. They don't actually, sort of the subtle mixed firm, mixed culture sort of funk doesn't really come through so much because you've essentially got barrels impregnated with spirit. They come to you essentially sterile. Yes. Whereas the wine barrels are coming because they've just started to get a little bit funky. Oh, okay. Yeah. They might have been used a few times by the winemakers and they don't want sort to of risk, weird to risk wines. Yeah, yeah, obviously, no. Um, and I guess, of course, providing you're blending from the, even from the spirit barrels anyway, it's not going to overwhelm the flavour of a beer if it's just a, you know, a small component in the blend, perhaps, anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, as I say, this is lovely. I, I think the, the the balance between and there's that word again. God, <laughs> the balance between the Bordeaux uh, barrel and the raspberry flavour is is just brilliant. So I, I would thoroughly recommend that people try and get their hands on a bottle of this when it comes out next week. Let's yeah. turn the previous question on its head, and this is a bit of fun. That a brewer on the south coast who I shan't name, but uh, he knows who he is, asked me to add to my roster of questions and that is to turn the what makes you different question on its head and say what do you wish you'd done differently is there anything up until now that you have looked back on with some regret whether you you know wish you'd done something sooner or wish you hadn't done that or you know what do you look back on and say oh man that was a bad decision you know <laughs> i mean so many so many bad decisions <laughs> um t- tell you what i wish i'd done sooner so we took on um someone at the end of last year, Helen, mm-hmm. um, who helps me out with a bit of everything, really. Okay. Yeah. Um, so their sort of job title that we've never really defined, but is, I guess, generally sales and marketing. Okay, they, nice. They've essentially come in one, two days a week and just yeah. totally professionalised. <laughs> yeah, revolutionised everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. It's Good. a, yeah. I'm really glad that I started and just did whatever I wanted. And, yes. You got you into know. a certain stage and then you needed a Helen and you've got one. So yeah, that's great. That's yeah. right. Good for that. Yeah, they've been great. They uh, The other day they they asked me, um, they said, um, this isn't meant to be a, an attack, <laughs> but is, is the idea or has the idea been that you just rock up each day and do whatever you fancy? <laughs> And I said, I said, well, I'd like to think there's slightly more to it than that, but yeah, that's yeah. that's close to the truth. And but you were, were like, banged yeah, to no, rights, I think, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. They were like, that, that's fine. We can, we can work charged. with that. But uh, yeah. Nice. So I like it. <laughs> but it's really nice. It's just, it's helped us just go from me making the beer and being really. Doing just what the hell you liked each day to actually having a bit of a plan and, and executing against it. Yeah. And. Mm a little bit more wholesale uh, sure. yeah. sale and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, it's up. easy to, it's easy to sort of laugh about it, but it, it's ridiculous that you were able to run a business like this on your own for as long as you did. So you, know, you need help. And I think it's, it's great that you've got some now. Yeah. It's really moved from me just about hanging on yeah, and 
trying to do days where I'm packaging and sending out orders and invoicing and all of those things to yes. just a little bit, just someone else I know can just take up a bit of slack nice. as and yeah. when and, and it's great. Unfortunately, with the uh, all of the things of Helen's been sort of raising our profile and getting a bit more sales and things. So yep. suddenly now I have to brew now more you've got stuff. you to do some and, brewing, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so right, old, yeah. So, yeah. Good answer though, I like that. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, definitely. We, uh, James, first met at the Splendid Craft Theory Festival in Reading, which ran this year for the first time in three years, believe it or not. You know, talk about blighted by the pandemic, our lovely local craft beer festival that, you know, had only run for, I think they ran it three times before, you know, pre-COVID. Finally came back this year and you, uh, you graced us with your presence. So that, that was awesome. That was, I think it was probably one of the first beer festivals you've done as well, was it on that scale? So, so brilliant to see. Yeah, it was definitely the first thing we'd done for a little while it was lovely I'd, I'd not been before and it was really really nice a really nice relaxed festival with chance to chat to people yes it's really nice um some of the ones i've done in the past either as wilderness or working for other people it's feels a bit more transactional and you're there running a bar rather than right being able to introduce yourself and yeah well, that's you know, yeah. that's the charm of hopefully of a beer festival, isn't it? Is you get the chance to to chat to the you know, the owners in your case, or you know, or certainly at least people that understand the background of the business that can explain what it is they're serving you, especially in the daytime sessions. I mean, I guess the yes. perhaps the evening sessions were a bit more hectic. I was only there myself on the Friday afternoon session, but really enjoyed it. I, I love it. It's a great venue. It's in the south. What's called the South Street Arts Centre in. Reading, which is an interesting venue because it's sort of multiple interconnected rooms. So it doesn't ever feel like you're in a sort of a big, a big hall with nowhere to escape. You know, there's plenty of little alleyways and passages and, you know, and you can wander out in the street as well. So it's just, just a nice space there and it holds a couple of hundred people, but, but yeah, good festival. I'm really looking forward to next year's already. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah, was great to it, see you there. Um, have, you, have you got any others in the calendar this, this summer? I think we're all done for this year, which I'm mm-hmm. really happy about. We've done three or four. Um, of that sort of scale yeah and that's sort of enough for me right um because generally it makes them weekends away um sure. young family that sort yeah. of thing so it, it all we're not we're not sort of trying to use them as a platform to i say get big or no. we're sort of quite comfortable with the amount of beer we make okay so ones like craft theory are, are really nice that the chatting element is ideal. Yes. Because our, our beers sometimes do need a bit of an introduction. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, we were serving um, a keg Berliner Weiss, mm. um, and then we were serving that with a, a shot of sort of bright green wood rough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> and that does require a bit of a... As is the tradition. Convincing, yeah. Probably not many people realise in the UK, but, you know, that, that was absolutely, you know, a traditional authentic serving, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, more or it's less anyway more or a... less the syrup, at least the fact that it was served with syrup is authentic maybe not the woodruff flavor but <laughs> the people coming up and sort of you can see in their eye that they want to say have you got any ipa that's right and, hold the syrup mate yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're here saying hey do you want to try this sour thing that's green <laughs> um yeah so that's fun mm. so we, yeah we really like doing those but it's a it's definitely a limit. I mean, I guess you don't actually, you don't keg that much beer anyway, do you? So, so having to have a supply of kegs to take to a festival is a bit of a, bit of a faff, is it from your perspective? Yeah, we, we, we keg a bit, but we always keg, I guess the more approachable stuff. Right. Um, So our more, sort of our lighter saisons or grisettes or the occasional sort of farmhousey pale. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't normally do many kegs of the wilder stuff. Right. But I always have to try and remember that I should do some because I'm always going to have festivals coming up and I oh, always yeah. need something interesting to take. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so and I'm I, always... And I'm sure it stays fresh in the keg for a long time, doesn't it, that, that style of beer? I mean, you know... You well, we, to... yeah, we're, we're yeah. very lucky, really. Like, yeah. all the other breweries during the pandemic were like, oh, no, our beer's going to go off. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, we, yeah our beer's going to Our beer's going to get better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've got yeah. to always look on the bright side, haven't you? Yeah, we've we've got the best business model for dealing with pandemics. I tell you, we're we're, we're ideal. Hope we are. I'm not looking forward to another one anytime soon, though. So let's let's <laughs> hope we don't have to don't have to test that. Um, what you got coming out the next few weeks? So we've already you know we've tasted two beers that are about to to launch. Are there others, uh, or is this is this your next release 
batch joined. No, we've got we've got another couple. We've got a we're going back to the the well on something we've done once a year or so before, which is a we try and do a two point something percent pale. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we try and do that sort of once a year or so, just to for me to keep my hand in on making pale, yeah, poppy beer. Sure. But also, like, I really like it. I really like making low ABV stuff. It's right. a it's a real challenge. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and cool. doing it once a year means I can totally change the recipe every year. Yes. So what what, what hops are going it. in it this year? So we've got um, a little bit of citra, but right. then it's actually UK hop focused. With a uh, the dry hop is uh, Pilgrim and Olicana. Okay, great. As you mentioned um, just a moment ago. Yeah. yeah, lovely. And it's come out really nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, super light. Yeah, we've got a little bit in keg, but most of it's in seven fifty mil share bottles. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, which cool. is a, a again a terrible business. That decision. really is totally uh, you know that's the, really against the grain. You know, it's a... yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's nice. def- definitely mad. But uh, yeah, like it really trying to make something that is like a bee you might have with dinner between yes. two of you. Well, that's right. Exactly, that's exactly it, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and that's really the the plan with that one. Um, we're really pleased with it they so say that that's right that's great cool um and then we also do once or twice a year because we like to do a bit of cask you might yep. even be able to see behind me a few okay. casks yeah because my background is cask beer we love sure. cask beer mm. um the fact we're a weird mixed firm brewery with loads of barrel aged stuff doesn't mean we don't want to do the occasional cask no so we do a a bitter where the recipe varies massively all the time okay um but a bitter that we we make with english ale yeast Right. But also a little bit of Belgian yeast as well. Okay. Just to give it a, you know, because we've got to do something with the yeast. Yeah. Right? Like we're a yeah. weird little mixed firm brewery. Yeah, so. yeah. But we've got a, a slightly sort of lighter summary version just coming out now with a Motueka. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. We always like to have something on the list or something. We have a tiny little shop on site. Right. Yep. And we have people coming in because they see a brewery or whatever mm-hmm. and they, they come in. And it's it's always awkward if you're just presenting them with a wall of like 750 mil share of bottles of like 8% sour yes. beer. Yeah. So it's always nice to be able to say, and we have our <laughs> bitter or something. Which... And, and would you, you would do growler pours and the like from the shop, would you? Or, or is it yeah. it's, it's, it's all packaged? Yeah, it's all packaged. So we have, okay. uh, yeah, cans and bottles Right. Uh, okay. is our thing. But it, yeah, it's just always, it's nice for a, me to keep my hand in on the, sure. the clean stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's also a good test of whether i'm keeping the brewery clean enough because yeah i guess so. everything gets packaged with the same equipment that we oh, use for the yeah ready yeah stuff. so Brilliant. so far we're doing all right but uh it's a good so you mentioned the um you mentioned the, the brewery shop but you have a web shop as well so that yeah. would be a good place for people to to find your beers um, absolutely yeah, yeah. and uh, uh we in terms of bottle shop penetration where where would people find wilderness beers up and down the country so we we have uh some like national distribution but right. um yeah individual bottle shops all over mm-hmm. it's mainly centered around greater manchester and sort of greater london really right hence the market so you can yeah well, you, um, can, you can deliver to relatively easily yeah that's right but we yeah we do sell to places all over yeah, well, yeah i, I noticed you got beyond pig's ear and whatever aren't you so, so you've got a, yeah, you know you've got exactly. national distribution now which yeah is which is really nice but, and that's um, kegs and kegs and cans and, and bottles as you know depending on the beer that's right yeah yeah um we're really and again we hamstring ourselves but uh we try and package the each individual beer in the package we think is right okay. for it yeah which does sometimes lead us to do some weird things and have some <laughs> some packaging nightmares but uh <laughs> yeah so we have things in can we have our own little tiny canning line which is right. which is great yeah um that's our little bit of growth last year was to get a little automated canning line so nice. I can run it on my own and do, yeah. you know, do a thousand cans in a day rather than 500 bottles or something. Yeah. Just, but yeah, our online shop or lots of high quality bottle shops around, yes. uh, around the place, which is lovely. And nice. to be honest, like while I love people ordering from us and obviously we always have like the, the broadest range direct, yeah. Actually, bottle shops are the ideal thing for us because they are. Yeah, because as you as you said earlier on, your beers do require a little bit of explanation. 
and a little bit of sort of fitness to taste perhaps so you know a bottle shop proprietor that can ask a couple of pertinent questions before they recommend one of your beers is going to ensure that it matches the, the the expectations of the customer isn't it yeah absolutely and you have you know if you wanted to do an order from us the majority of the beer you're going to buy is going to be mixed firm stuff so you're probably already already on that path of yeah. enjoying those beers yeah. whereas you're not going to find out about us and then put in an order for a bit of everything introduction no. via bottle shops is totally the the way that it's a secret isn't it really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so we love bottle shops we certainly do <laughs> <laughs> well hence uh brewing the uh, the first beer we tasted with uh with one of our favorites yes so Brian's, that's uh, nice yeah yeah, yeah. brilliant james i'm at my two traditional wrap-up questions but i always just pause at this moment in the conversation to ask the guest if there's anything that we haven't got to that you intended to raise coming into this discussion this evening because now is a good time to mention that um i guess the only thing i was, I was thinking you asked about what made us different and mm-hmm. i was thinking almost tying together a few of the things i said because we try and use sort of locally grown fruit yep. or that sort of thing where we can so much of our beer is aged in barrels on site where we are right in a totally non-temperature controlled unit yes so the the climate is as much a part of the the process as a lot of the other things we sure yeah and we're very lucky being in sort of mid wales where it's doesn't get too warm apart usually usually relatively temperate not so much this year but (laughs) yeah we did lose one barrel because the temperature yeah Yeah. just leakage was a Mm. thing but um yeah it's it's generally fairly humid yeah the climate is relatively stable stable, yeah um but is unique to where we are Mm. and the water we use is really nice soft welsh water right so we're i guess we're very lucky that the things around us have a big part to play in how the beers turn out to to the beer yes Um, yeah that's interesting yeah so we're yeah we're we're very lucky with our location if that makes sense right yeah, um, but it's nice to nice to take a moment to appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Then let's get into the home straight. The first thing I do at this point is to ask you to give a shout out to a little guy. Now, you are a little guy in your own right, but that doesn't mean you can't <laughs> shout another little guy out. So so the, the, the concept here is I'd like you to mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. And that can be another brewery, a bottle shop, a tap room, a pub even a restaurant or a cafe but somebody that's specifically promoting not just wilderness but independent craft beer in general yeah we, we've got some actually some really nice bottle shops in wales that are mm-hmm. doing a really nice job of supporting the breweries in wales um right. we've got some really good breweries in wales right really well, lots not. of yeah, yeah. yeah lots of good small guys that don't necessarily get sort of national National uh, claim or yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah. but it doesn't stop them being solid and and sure, great absolutely um yeah lucky seven beer riff wild horse are sort of yeah i've heard wild right horse on the podcast they're, they're great guys oh yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're lovely mm. but um there's some great bottle shops um so there's bottle and barrel in aberystwyth uh, right. pop and hops in cardiff right. story beers in bala mm-hmm. and there's others as well but they really they help a lot of Welsh breweries get started. And they, they really focus on, on on stocking Welsh beers specifically, which is really nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wales wouldn't have a nice little mix of small breweries without the places to sell. Without those efforts, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's a very fair comment. Excellent. Then we are at the wrap up question, and here I need to know from you, James, what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? <laughs> Who would you be with? And what specific beer would you be drinking? And the one qualifier is the beer doesn't need to match the venue. So in this fantasy world, you can fetch well, the beer with you if you if it wasn't necessarily going to be available. I mean, I guess genuinely to me, like the beer is so much less important than the people you're with. Sure. So the right company is really the, the, the key. top. Yeah. Um, there's a lovely little pub on the beach in North Wales on the Clean Peninsula, okay. uh, which is it's called uh it's called uh Tibach and right. it's just right on the beach the beer garden is the beach okay <laughs> it's a beautiful sheltered cove yeah you can't drive to it you have to walk 
Nice. Um, and they serve some lovely beer. They've always got some wild horse uh, from okay. North Wales. Nice. Um, normally their sort of latest pale ale. Yeah. And on the right day with sort of friends or family yeah. sitting on the beach, I mean, the worst beer is going to taste great. But uh, yes. a really nice, just the, the option to have a really nice beer as well. Um, lovely. Yeah, we've gone there the past couple of years on holiday and we are mm-hmm. you know, nearby, but we've always made sure we've walked out that way. Right. And it's pretty great. That pretty sounds good. like an amazing experience, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to let you get away without mentioning a beer, even still, though, that, that, that you know, <laughs> in the perfect experience you would be drinking there. Oh, I really like the fact that you go to a place and someone has curated some nice beers. Yes. So that you don't necessarily have to choose. So this is a total cop-out, but I think the last time I was there, I had a Quarry of Colour by Wild Horse, which is just a nice... Okay. Pale ale, yeah, beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, not a nothing out there, nothing fancy, right? Solid, just a really well brewed beer, yeah, yeah. And the fact that someone has thought about it and made sure to get in something nice, okay, is great. I think that's a yeah. very fair answer, and I, I won't, uh, I won't, won't pressure any further. I'm happy with that. No, that, that that's, okay, because uh, that's my made, way of getting out of actually really answering the question. You made uh, me feel slightly embarrassed that I'm always so hard on everybody in this in this particular segment of the podcast because I'm always saying, <laughs> no, no, tell me a beer. No, <laughs> I'll settle for that. That's yeah. good. Uh, that's good, James. Yeah. And, and this has been a nice conversation. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, um, thanks very much. Really enjoyed meeting you a few weeks ago at uh, Craft Theory. Um, your yeah, beers then you. were great. The two we've had this evening are lovely. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how wilderness develops in the years to come. I'm sure I'm going to see you, at least I hope to see you at Craft Theory again next year. I hope to get to the Little Earth Project Festival that I'm expecting you to be invited to next year again. And no doubt our paths will cross elsewhere in the country as well. So uh, so yeah. it's uh, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to the next time. No, thanks so much, Rob. Really appreciate it.